So today we uh, welcome endurance coach Paul Skelton onto the show. Uh, welcome, Paul. Hi, hi, Tom. And, uh, yeah, thanks for the opportunity for the chat. Um, really, uh, yeah, really uh, looking forward to 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 answering some of your questions and your queries. Oh, mate, I can't wait to, to see it unfold. Now, I've been uh, fortunate enough to benefit from your coaching by being in the Redcliffe Tri Club, um, and I've seen firsthand how much improvement can come from a great coach like yourself, um, especially for me. Um, you know, we've had a, a, a few pool sessions right now, and um, I've gone from, you know, basically swimming vertical um, and barely being able to make three or four laps um, to actually swimming and gliding through the water, for, gliding for me, um, and being able to swim, you know, my longest swim now, 5K, and coming out with you in the open water. So I'm loving it, um, but, you know, for most people out there, uh, they don't know much about you. So so tell us a bit about yourself, Paul. Um. Myself, probably a lifelong athlete as a social, never really competitive, but as a social athlete. Um, I grew up at school just doing yeah, normal school sports, never front of field or anything like that. And then through my whole life, you know, corporate life, yeah, just tinkering in the background, doing you know, half marathons, marathons, eventually turning to uh, triathlons and going through from right from sprints through to Ironman, but I've always been tinkering. I've always enjoyed it as, as a healthy sport, just healthy activity, getting out there, getting my own space um, out of out of the office world, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and feeling, and really, really feeling it necessary to, to, to keep turning over, uh, keeping that uh, the healthy lifestyle of, uh, because it really encourages, you know, good eating, um, good focus on your own health, plus, Giving yourself some goals outside just corporate, um, financial and things like that. Mm, and mm. over the years, what's, what, what has happened is, is yeah, I've, I've always been, I've had a, a very inquisitive mind, wanting to do anything. I, I, I try to find out how to do it the best way and really challenging the norms, challenging what, what, is, what is being published and all the controversy that comes out with, um, and the misinformation that comes in any field of interest. Um, and I found that discovery, that, that voyage of discovery, really, I found it difficult to navigate. And, um, and I've really enjoyed that journey of filtering out all the, the misinformation around training, around health and around uh, performance that's out there and trying to find that, 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 that middle path, that right path that actually is true um, mm. and keeping, keeping healthy sport uh, Sport, the find the right path in sport that actually keeps us healthy as well, and still gives us performance, um, and gives us that release from from corporate life as well, without without taking us down an unhealthy path. And I've loved that journey, and mm. that's yeah. Thinking about it, yeah. If, if you asked why I become a coach, it's because I've, I've gathered all of that uh, information, trialed it with myself, trialed it through coaching, and slowly it's developed into into. Um, there's something I just want to give out as well and, and, and share and help people filter out a lot of the um, the bad information and um, et cetera and help them on their journeys. I like it. I like yeah. it. And and I, I love the quote, a smart person learns from their own mis- mistakes, um, but a wise person learns from their own and the mistakes of others. So the fact that you've had yeah. to run that gauntlet and learn all those things um, you know, having someone like you around and, and the fact that you do give um, so freely, um, it's really a good opportunity to avoid a lot of potholes along the way. 
which I yeah. love. Mm. And that's, yeah, and I, and I love that journey. And, and you yeah, know, yeah, I'm running yeah, a business, but I find I find it very difficult to not just give information to the people around me. And I'll mm. always, if people ask me a question, they're going to get the honest answer of my and my, my, my views and how to do it with, you know, even without the payments, etc. Just be around me, you'll get that. Because I can attest to that's, that. Mm, that's, that. That's who I am. I like to share. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So, you, so you mentioned you've, you've got a business. Um, tell, us, tell us a bit about that. So fitsets.com is started about five years ago. I started coaching uh, within Redcliffe Tri Club, which I'm still coached for. Um, but um, what I found, you know, there's a value proposition that's, you know, when people pay for a service, they respect it. But mm. also, you know, having that accountability with people when I coach them, um, if they're paying for the service, they tend to listen a little bit more. And plus, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on it, so I think there's a value to that. That needs to be, you know, there needs to be some reward for that or some reimbursement. Mm. So, and once I get it more and more clients on board, I had to, to be honest, initially have have something official there because there's an income happening, um, so that needs to be tax accountable. So I created that company for that, and that's grown over the years. Uh, to, be, to be honest, I initially started this as a uh, for my retirement. So in, in about uh, ten years' time, when I retire, I'd have something to do. Mm. But I needed to build the experience. I needed to build the reputation. So when that time comes, I can kick it off as a as a fledgling, just to support my, my my pensions or superannuation. But it just grew a lot quicker than that. So I ended up doing it, um, yeah, more or less on a, on, on a permanent basis now. As, as yeah, wow. Primary income, which has been great. I love it, and and look, you know, the mm. thing is that your name is gold everywhere. Like, you know, I, I find that when when you're not around, how people talk about you, often that is a good sign, well, to an extent, um, you know, of, of what you might be like. And and really, everyone that I've run into, you know, that I've mentioned, they've been, you know, getting to do some work with you, and and everyone just says that they just love you as a coach, that their you know performance has improved out of sight, that you take that really balanced approach, um, and and I've found it's just much like talking to a mate. Um, so, so I certainly appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and interesting about the time factor. I mean, you know, it's funny that, you know, we might want to give away a lot of things for free and, and do stuff, but you know, your time is super valuable. And the fact that you've built up all of that experience, um, you know, from your journey, then that is worth something. And, and clearly, yeah. um, with the performance gains, um, it's showing. So yeah, I love it. Yeah. Within first sets, yeah, it's primarily based on endurance coaching. Uh, generally focus probably on the longer um, on the longer uh, side of the sports so 70.3 Ironman ultras marathons um, it's, it's where really where I specialize um, I also do a fair bit of work on more the nutrition side um, it's a bit of a special it's, it's, uh, sports nutrition and just getting you know, metabolic flexibility so not, not so much a dietitian side of things but recognizing that to do well in sport, there needs to be a focus on nutrition. Mm. Uh, well, they go hand in hand, don't they? Metabolic states as well. So, so there's a kind of a branch in FitSess that we do that. Yes. Um, and then there's also in FitSess, we do a lot of swim te technique coaching, um, total immersion swimming, uh, real strong focus on swimming correctly, uh, rather than smashing your hips way through the water. So. Again, what, what's total immersion swimming, Paul? 
Total immersion is, is really just a, a kind of a methodology in teaching swimming and a, and a correct technique. Um, so they've got a very structured program um, in terms of the way you break down the stroke and the way you build it up again that is very much focused on balance, uh, streamlining first um, and timing and then building into propulsion, mm. which is mm. uh, a great, really great way of looking at it because it's really making sure you're getting the neurology of, of, of swimming in place first um, in terms of the right timing, the right technique. Um, how to coordinate the body correctly and balance the body in, in the water. And then based on after that, we really start looking at propulsion as a second phase. Um, it's, it's, it's structured, it's, it's, it's yeah, um, created by Terry Loughlin many, many years ago, a uh, guy in the States who's recently passed away, actually. Mm. Uh, but it really is a, a, a focus on, on endurance swimming uh, in an efficient manner. Not so much based on absolute speed, but yeah. making sure you can actually complete something like an hour swim at and uh, close to your aerobic heart rate rather than trying to actually smash your way through the water and finish the swim absolutely yeah, spent um, due to bad, bad, bad technique um, yeah. and heart rate. So it's, it's, it is based on efficiency. And similarly, you know, the, the other, you know, in terms of running technique, I, I kind of focus on the pose technique which has a similar um, way of working, where it really looks at balance and timing first before you before you look at propulsion. Mm. Uh, making sure you're doing the right thing so you don't get injuries, uh, you are efficient, there's very little holding you back um, first bef uh, in terms of technique, and then we look at, okay, now that we've got all the inhibitors out of the way, let's now look at how we can actually go forward faster. Wow. I found one um, comment that you, and again, like these comments that you were making just kept coming at the right time when I was in the pool. And, and one of them was just if you slow down and you go um, super slow, it actually um, brings out, you know, will brings to the surface all the things that you may be not doing right with technique. And then you have to focus on actually having a really good proper technique to be able to move forward, which kind of went against everything that I was thinking in my mind. Um, and I feel like that's one of the comments that really actually helped me to feel better in the pool yeah and, mm. and that's and, and that's correct i mean there's a physical very definitely in swimming a physical aspect so you can find that people can actually build up the muscle mass the strength to overpower the water for short periods of time so what i find is a lot of swimmers out there can smash out a really good 50 or 100 meters uh, and even up to 400 meters uh, um, you know six minutes or six minutes under but when you start extending that out it's unsustainable. Mm. Uh, you can't overpower uh, and be uh, repeatedly anaerobically swim during a, um, uh, for instance, nine man or a 70.3. We have to go, you know, 1.9K or 3.8. You have mm. to be efficient. You have to keep that heart rate down because you've still got a, a heck of a long way to go when you get out of the water. Mm. So, it's not so it's not always about going faster. It's about being economical. It's about being efficient. So, yeah, I know, you know, my fastest Ironman swim was 56 minutes. Um, I've since, I'd never do that again. Not because That's I'm fast. Older, because, because when I got out of the water there, my heart rate was, you know, 165 mm -hmm. average across that swim. Now when I do an Ironman, yes, I come out around 104, but my heart rate's at 135. So I'd, you know, through transition on the bike very comfortably and 
still writing at 135, which is far more efficient. Mm. So it's about, yeah, it's about doing things sensibly and not burning matches early in the race, and then it's going to kill you on the run and catch up with you. I like it. I it is like about it. efficiency um, at the end of the day. So we sort of mentioned, you know, like how the um, getting into the coaching kind of came about. Um, I mean, look, you know, were there parallels in what you were doing in the past or, you know, uh, obviously you've done endurance, but to become a coach, that, that's a bit different. Like to, to actually uh, focus on others and improving them. Is, is that just like what, what uh, were there any other factors that sort of led you down that path? Uh, probably my, my work in, in my, my corporate life. Um, I've, yeah, I came from technology side of things where initially I was a developer, but then fairly early moved into team leadership and then project management, which uh, all those worlds is more about people. Mm. So it's about encouraging people, mentoring people, getting people into a growth mindset, making people accountable. Um, and it's, yeah, that's, that's where I flourished in the world, not the actual technical side of doing things. Um, although I was obviously competent there, where I really flourished is actually helping people along and getting people aligned, forming teams, um, and helping people be accountable and get the most out of their working day rather than turning up. Um, uh, you know, the typical old management and, and businesses full of control and telling people what to do. Mm. Um, and my world with when, when, when you hire people that should be competent and we let them do what they do, we just basically align them as what we should be doing. Sounds like a like a more leadership um, than having to Absolutely. the management side of things. Absolutely, leadership. And that's, yeah, I still do that now. And I've actually, as you might have seen some, from some posts, I'm, I'm, I'm heading back into that world more from a consultancy and business, business coaching to um, to. Um, reinvite those skills alongside the coaching I'm doing with um, uh, with athletes as well. Yeah, right. Well, you got a lot going on. You're a busy man. Oh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> Always busy. Always learning too. Yes. You can't stop. Yeah, lifelong learners. <laughs> oh, I'm 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 putting so much new information in my teacup at the moment. I'm loving it. Um, so so why should people get a coach? Like some of the benefits, like you know, even if they're not sort of planning on being competitive, or if they are, um, what do you? Why do you think people should get a coach? I think you you covered off pretty well. As um, yeah, we're best. It's it's fine learning from our mistakes, but we've also got to learn from the mistakes of others. Yeah. We, yeah, it's not just about running with the crowd. If you run with the crowd, you're always going to stay in the crowd. You'll never be out front. So what you've got to do is, is, is use the people that have been ahead of you, take their learnings, take what fits with you, still have a filter, but, but learn from the mistakes of others and, and have been down that road. But I think it's also important you've got to be inquisitive yourself. So using a coach to actually be who's aligned with what you do uh, and what you want out of the sport, get the lessons lessons from them on on how to approach things, how to think, um, and, and what to do, and what's important. Uh, is something we should all be doing, whether it be you know, and um, for, for our sport, whether we're new to it, whether it be you know starting a business or even our corporate life. You want to get to the next. Like, you got you got to go through that sharing process. Of leveraging with the others, we never do things on our own. Mm. Anything mm. time we do things, you can only learn from from the mistakes that you're doing or the reading you're doing, etc. 
having a sounding board, somebody to talk to, somebody who can bounce around ideas, and preferably somebody who's been there, done that, uh, made the mistakes, and can provide you that guidance. It just saves you a whole heap of time. Mm. Sport probably injuries and probably cost as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, to, to to get there faster. Yeah, so it's relatively small investment to be able to have, you know, bigger gains. Like I like the idea of avoiding injury. Um, we were talking earlier about how I kind of just push myself and push myself and push myself and how overtraining's become a thing. But like unless I was to somehow know that from somewhere or, you know, have an injury or have something happen, there's no real way for me to realize that that's a thing. Um, so I guess like having that coach who can look at you and say, look, you're doing too much, uh, or your technique's not right. Cause I can't often see myself. Um, I find, I find that that's a really big helper as well. Like drawing on that experience that you've got. Yes. Yeah. And to be honest, if you try to do the research on, on, on internet, all the right information that's out there on the internet, but so is all the wrong information. Mm. Now, when you read, you've got to understand the context of the author. That's what I find very much. So you'll read something that says you've got to train hard all the time or you've got a high intensity. When you read the context behind that is, is, is what are they actually training for? What is the, um, what is the target of the person? What are they trying to achieve? How much other exercise are they doing on the background that's not, on, on not being mentioned? Mm. And what's the history um, and um, what's the journey of the athlete that they're actually talking to? Are there really fit athletes already who's done the many, many years of the long, slow miles before they start doing the high intensity? All that context is lost in most of the articles. Mm. And, and it might be and clickbait really too. Give you advice. First thing you do is what's the context? Mm. Who okay. are they talking to? And what's the history of that person they're talking to? Because invariably, if you don't get that, you'll get the message wrong. I like and, it. Yeah, a coach helps you filter filter that out and yeah, gets rid of all that misinformation and all the contradictory information that can help you absorb, start absorbing that information um, and discounting some of the stuff that's really wrong, to be honest, because there's a lot out there. Mm, mm, a lot of the information is also is, is sometimes marketing led as well, and you've got to be careful of that. So if you've got a product, you'll sell it in any way, at, you know, big, big organizations, any way they can, uh, like the sports drinks world. Mm. Uh, they'll, they, they, they'll make it essential that you use that every single session all the time, and it's the only thing to do. Well, that's the misinformation, you know, having sugar all the time every session uh, as recovery, Pre, pre-exercise, during exercise all the time is really, really bad for us. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, but they'll do that because it's going to sell their product. Mm. Um, and they've got the big bucks in terms of markets so that floods us. But when you See, actually between the lines, that's not the case. That's yeah, really that, bad for us. I find, I find that interesting. Like, again, super new to this whole thing. But, you know, I'll, fi- I'll finish a run. And, uh, you know, even with the triathlons, we, we take Gatorades to drink after, um, the kids and I. And, you know, I feel like that's just probably better than water, probably because I'm brainwashed. But uh, at the same time, like, I, I see now I'm learning more. I see people taking salt tablets and doing all these different things um, in the very long runs. And I really have no idea. Like, I've started to uh, – I've reached out to one nutritionist, um, you know, to have a chat on the show here and you know because it's like i need to learn more but it, it is like yeah. you say if you go out and start trying to find some information you need to make sure that the information who you're getting it from is reliable because otherwise you're going to head down a path 
they could be wrong and it's just filling someone else's pocket, like filling their wallet, like you're sort of saying. So it's a, it's a treacherous road. Yes, it is. It is. You'll get to the stage when you start doing the longer ones. You actually need to start separating out your electrolytes or your, you know, your salts from your fuel or your carbohydrates from your water because you never know what conditions you're going to face in race day. You know, mm. You're going to be slightly humid or, or hot. You'll be drinking more water. Now, if they're connected, you're going to overfuel and you're going to mm. start getting gut issues. If you had a cold day, uh, then you're not going to drink enough water because you're not thirsty, because you're not sweating enough. Therefore, you're not going to have enough fuel. So you've got to decouple these things. And that wow. starts becoming quite complex. At the end of the day, once you understand it, it's really, really simple. But yeah, right. There's I'm no more to that. information out there that's coming from marketing because they just want you to drink their product all day. And they'll say, this is all you need for race day, just drink Gatorade, mm. or Powerade, or just drink Infinite or whatever. It's not the case. You need to decouple them. Wow. Wow. Well, that's, that's something new. Yeah. I, that's really intriguing. <laughs> These, you know, these are just little pills. There's, there's hundreds of these little things that you learn along the way that um, brings out a good race day and, and, uh, and, and training that um, you only get from being there and making the mistakes and then understanding how can I fix this? And mm. so it becomes, okay, it's not as simple as, as the products suggest they are. It's yeah. a little bit more, a little bit different. So in terms of your, uh, like your coaching or like, you know, I know that you're a good coach. That's my opinion. Um, but I mean, listeners could be from anywhere in the world. So like, how do they pick a good coach? What, what, what do you, what do you think that they should be looking for or doing? First thing is understand their goals, their objectives. Um, they got to have every, every athlete should have a why, why are they doing this? And it could be a couple of whys. Yeah. It could be health is the priority. Um, it could be that they, they, they want to stretch there. They want their performance goal. They want to qualify for Kona. And how do I get there? Mm. It's not necessarily the same thing because sometimes to get a high performance, you've got to go over the top and it actually becomes unhealthy from a pure health body perspective or could become unhealthy from a lifestyle balance perspective. Mm. You've really got to understand who you are, what, what is uh, – What's going to fulfill you, you know, real healthy body, and this is the, your mechanism to get the exercise or the, 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 the accomplishment of qualifying for Kona or podiuming at a, at, at, at a race or whatever it is, because they're subtly different. Um, and you need a coach that can actually hold you accountable to those things. And I, I find it really interesting when I'm coaching people, I'll have people come and now I want to do it for health. And then you see these performance things come through, but I want to do this time or I want to do this and I say you realize to train for that you're going to have to train for this many hours how do you have those hours and hours those hours in terms of your career and your family because that's that's uh, that's the balance that you need to do you still need to be getting your sleep as well because you don't want to be the fittest guy ever with no family like a, a, a mentor of mine recently had me do this from a business perspective like you know what is the career that i want to go down what's the role i'd like to end up with and you know there's in, like there's a number of different possibilities but my wife and i sat down and he actually gave me a, a plan which was to look at one three five and ten um mm -hmm. years ahead and work out where you want to be but like just say you know for argument's sake the example might be i want to be a ceo of a bank w well that might take me to sydney but if my wife um is you know 
desperately wants to live here in North Brisbane, um, that's not going to really work. Um, yeah. And so, like you're saying, like you actually do need to weigh these things up and work out like a like a big jigsaw puzzle. How does it all fit together? And yeah. are you willing to do that work to get to where it is? And are you willing to make whatever sacrifices come with that? And if you're not, scale it back and work out what you do want. And so that very starting point of knowing your why, that's powerful because, I mean, how many people are just in it for the sake of it? Like, you know, you might, I mean, I might have gotten into it to lose weight, um, but now once I'm losing weight, my goals are changing as I'm going along. I'm, I like the idea of doing an Ultraman one day. Now that's, you know, insane from where I'm sitting right now, but it's possible. Um, but, you know, the, the goals do change, but then I still need to work out if I wanted to do an Ultraman if that meant not having time with my family, well, there's no way I would do that. So yeah. that's really intriguing. Yeah. It is an exercise I take um, some athletes when they join up with me through called the ideal day. So what I ask them to do, rather than creating, you know, if you ask people to, to tell me their goals, they'll say, oh, they want to have this much money, this house, this car. And those are really material things. Mm -hmm. um, but what I, what I want them to describe to me outside of sitting on the beach in, 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 in Bali with pina colada or whatever, yep. normal, what is the ideal average day? What does it look like? What are the, what are the conversations they're having? What type of people do they have around them? Uh, what do they do on a daily basis? What's the first thing they do when they get out of bed? What are they uh, doing in the evenings? In terms of work, who are, what type of people are they working with? What type of work are you doing? And get them to describe their ideal average, uh, average day rather than thinking about houses, cars, and material, things like that, or status uh, status job roles. Mm. End of the day, a status job role is just a function that you actually go do at work. It doesn't actually describe what your actual day is like, what what your experiences on your on your daily basis with the, the people you're actually working with and talking to, and, the, and the, the themes of the conversations you have, and that really describes your ideal day. Wow. Now, if you describe that and there's no space in there for for lots of exercise, I'll be saying, well, what are you doing here? Why are you mm. talking to me? Whereas if exercise and getting outdoors and, and you know, getting out of bed to go for a, 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 a two-hour run on, on a Tuesday morning, is within that um, in terms of time um, and fulfillment, then you're talking to somebody who could potentially do an Ironman and enjoy it. Wow. And so, and, that, uh, then I'll be saying, well, are you going to be able to get up, you know, 18 weeks into, a, into an Ironman training program and still be enjoying Because you have to be enjoying it, otherwise you shouldn't be doing it. Mm. And, and that's powerful too because, like, I, I'm I'm seeing that, you know, even if in that instance, if someone wasn't right for you, you're not you're not going down that sports drink line of saying, I just need to give it to you because you need it because I need to give it. Um, no. You're happy enough to say to someone, look, no, this may not be the right journey for you. Um, and that's probably going to be better for them. Well, it would be better for them and it would be better for you in the long run as well because uh, yeah. they do need to want to be there. Yeah. And I frequently have the conversation that somebody will come and it happens really often. I want to do an Ironman um, this year or next year. And my first conversation is, okay, what do you want out of the Ironman? What are you trying to achieve? And for some, it's, yeah, let's go do this Ironman in, in six, seven months' time because all you want to do is get through it. All the training will be very base training. You're going to jog, the, jog out, really just spin the bike through the, through, through the bike. You're just going to walk, run, but you'll get it done under the 16 hours. And it's fine. You've ticked the box. You've got what you wanted out of it, and it's healthy. 
others that say, no, they want to do that. Uh, I want to do an Ironman or I want to do a sim, but I want this time. And I'll look at where they are right now and I say, two years. Mm. This is a two-year journey for you to get there because if you go try, go go out there and you try to do this from the point you're at, you want to enjoy your journey. You're probably going to get injured, and on race day, you're not even you're probably not going to enjoy the race. You'll push mm. so hard, you'll probably blow up trying to get that goal. Mm. It's not a healthy journey to go on. So I'll be saying, go on that journey, either pull back that goal or have that goal out of two years' time. And it's a conversation mm. you need to have because otherwise you get three months, four months in, and it's just not happening, and then it's on me mm. as coach. Um, so you have to have that conversation. Like and it. sometimes the goal is important, you know, achieving like a, uh, under five hours, 70.3, that's what they've set their mind on. So I've got to be realistic and say, you're not going to get there, mm. or I don't think you're going to get it. And I've been surprised sometimes. I mean, I had an athlete do Bustleton this year, and I suggested, well, about – five weeks out, drop it down to 70.3. She came back to me and she said, listen, I just wanted, I don't mind if it takes 16 hours. Just tell me how to get through this. Mm. Um, Again, I suggest, you're only going to enjoy it if you go back to 70.3. Let's do Ironman next year. But she went ahead anyway. And yeah, I respected that. But I told her what she needed to do to do that. Um, So she did the bike and said 25 kilometers an hour. That's all you're doing. That's all you're going to average. It's going to be really, you're going to feel it's really slow in the first half, probably hard in the second half. And then the runners, her strength, so you just, just, just run, you're comfortable and you'll get it done. She, she excelled. She, you know, just, it was just over 13 hours, I think. She wow. Did the end. But she, she executed the script. Mm. She rode at 25, I think it ended up to be 26 kilometers per hour, which was quite slow by her standards and her, capability but you're very fast by mine so you can do the run <laughs> that's that's flying compared to me on the bike it seems zwift yeah. has taught me that i'm a slow yeah. rider um but that's that's intriguing like and you know by the sounds of it if if your mind has gone there i mean for this lady um you know it's good that you're there to be able to say hey be careful and you know yeah. stories that they could go a different way where you know they could get injured or whatever else but um it does sound to me like if your mind can go to go to the place where you have to go your body can follow um yes. but it's probably a good idea to give it give it build the solid platform over time um to get there correctly and, and it's about being honest. It wasn't say, just go do the arm and you'll, you'll get through it. It was about setting the expectation of how she's going to feel as well. I said, there will be tips. There will be parts of that race where you'll just want to get off that bike and curl up in a ball and cry and go to sleep. Yeah, right. And it's a long way. It did come, but she knew they were coming and she knew how to deal with it when they did happen. I think my longest ride so far is 25 kilometers, and I, I'm starting. To, I, like, I get a little bit bored on the like sitting on the bike, um, so I, I'm going to have to somehow find a, an extra gear, so to speak, mm-hmm. and get out there and, and trial a trial a longer ride. I've seen some of the posts of the rides you guys have been doing, and it's like, my goodness, just so many kilometers. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. You need to ride with other people initially while you extend that out. It becomes social with other people around you. It's a lot, it's a lot easier journey. Uh, when you get to the pointy end or when you get to the longer distances, I can, I can spend four hours on, the, on a wind trainer by myself. Yeah, and, right. and I'm okay with that. But it's, it's, there's, there's places you go in your head that um, are different and, and you get used to it after a while. Okay. 
Good tip. Good tip. Now, okay. Speaking of tips, what what are three tips that you would um, like recommend or give to people that are um, getting into triathlon? Um, one, it's not a speed sport. Everybody thinks about speed when they, I've got to go faster. I've got to go faster. Aerobic, all aerobic sports, or, or yeah, all endurance sports are aerobic sports. So a good example is 400 meters, 80% of the energy system is aerobic, 400 meters. When you get up to Ironman, it's 99% aerobic system. Aerobic system is a foundation for everything, and you've got to be able to do things at an aerobic level first before you add speed. And way too many people are thinking about go hard, go home. Yeah, it's chronic training all the time. Uh, and the push, you've got to... Uh, you've got to do 80% of your training at a low heart rate. Mm. That heart rate, the formula I use is 180 uh, minus your age. Mm-hmm. That compensates for age um, and the hormone changes that happen in the body um, over, over, over time. So 180 minus your age, um, is, you should be below that heart rate for 80% of the time, whether you're swimming, biking, or running. Yeah, right. And then 15% more or less uh, goes into the, um, the, the threshold type training, uh, which is on your um, anaerobic, it's kind of your one hour pace, the, the, the speed you can run or the intensity you can run for one hour or bark for one hour. Mm-hmm. It's around that in terms of, in, in terms of intervals. So that's what we, uh, we spoke about it a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Interval training, uh, spending periods of time at a race or above intensity. Um, getting used to durability, getting the, the muscles built up so they can actually process the energies, energy supply and, 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 and waste removal at that intensity while well. so the threshold training is building, yeah, building power, to be honest, force sustainable over time. And that's mm. about 15% of the time of your training. The last 5% is that VO2 max and above, which is basically sprinting. Um, just, and that creates just uh, develops force develops probably a positive technique and, and creates a genetic response that keeps our body wanting to improve as well. But that's kind of the balance. Way too many people uh, train, do most of the training, what we call is, 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 is the, um, um, it's the um, no man's land, which is kind of that zone three, lower zone four, uh, mm-hmm. where you're not using either system well. You're not using your anaerobic system well. You're not using your um, your aerobic system uh, because your hormones will start secreting cortisol, um, uh, uh, adrenaline, which stops your fat burning, which stops the aerobic development. So Interesting. Very little time spent in zone three until you get closer to race day where you're just trying to actually emulate your race uh, intensity. Um, that's That's when you start bringing in a little bit more zone three. How do I know I'm in zone three? What 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 what's my zone three? How do, how would I work that out? You kind of uh, you have to go through it, but basically do some threshold um, testing. Um, so you'll do a um, either a run test um, or or a bike test to establish where your threshold, your one hour zones are. There's mm-hmm. some twenty that- minute tests that. Standards 20 minutes test. You can Google those, um, okay. how to establish your um, lactate threshold and running or cycling. And so we can and do that at home? From there. Yeah, right. Okay, so, sweet. So all your garments will have, you know, 
you can actually go put in what is your, your threshold pace or your threshold mm-hmm. heart rate, and it will calculate your zones from that. Yeah, right. Okay. I've seen that on the watch. There's a whole lot of stuff in this watch that I have no idea about. Um, so that that's definitely something that I have seen. Sometimes like, I'll be training and it'll tell me I'm overreaching um, yes. or I'm unproductive. And I look at that and I think, but hey, I've done like five sessions. I'm I'm killing it. Um, and yeah. but then I you know I dig through the the Garmin Connect app and it will show actually what well, optimal is here and you're pushing it too hard. Yeah. Um, and then it will tell me you need to rest for 40 yeah. hours. And I think, oh, but I'm on a 30 day challenge. I need to exercise every day. Um, but then yeah. I, that's also that also coincides when my legs are starting to hurt or when you know I'm, I'm starting to feel cooked. Um, yeah, so that's but, intriguing. Yeah, the watches they have very broad spectrum uh, and not really targeted at at the individual. Uh, mm. They're very very generic and not necessarily applicable to what you're doing. So you, you need to take those with a bit of caution for the general public. Um, really, un, uh, probably uh, if you look at the average fitness out there, most people are off the couch, whatever. It's probably more strong because they have to be quite safe. Okay. So not not necessarily the best guard. Probably safe gardens, not necessarily the best gardens. Okay. So that's number one is is, is just slow down. Um, always want to throw in a couple of f words in there on that one because it's, it's a repeating. Mm. Um, next one is recovery. Um, recovery is is something that gets ignored a lot. Um, any exercise or any stress we have, we have to have a recovery period afterwards to get the benefits. Um, so, you know, sleep, 7.5 hours minimum a night if you're in training. Um, if you don't do the recovery, um, you... I, I'll compare endurance training to something like a blister. Right, I'll explain that one. Mm-hmm. So if you get a if, if you run in a, in, in a new new pair of shoes, um, what can happen is you'll rub in a, in, in a new place and you'll, you'll you'll start getting developing a blister. Right. If you continue to run, eventually the blister will get bigger and bigger. Eventually it will burst. You'll rub the, the skin underneath it or the undeveloped skin underneath it. You'll get an infection and you'll be off running for ages. Mm. You'll be taping it and you're in recovery, whatever. If you handle that blister correctly, in other words, it starts developing a blister, you stop running or you, you put a Band-Aid over it, let it heal uh, first, and then you rerun on the same pair of shoes, what happens after a couple of times is that the skin over that area will develop, will harden, you'll get extra layers of skin which will protect it, and then eventually, not too distant future, you'll be running consistently in those shoes. It's the same way as we do endurance sports. You overload the system, whether it be muscular or your aerobic system, whatever system you're using, it'll break down. When you let it recover, it'll break. Uh, it'll it'll recover past the point that we were before, so you can actually handle more next time. That's mm. the way it works. It's the survival mechanism of the body that helps us constantly improve and get stronger to to accommodate what we're doing on a normal basis. So if you're not getting a recovery, you just get weaker and weaker and weaker, and eventually you're going to either get ill because your immune system gets breakdown down trying to constantly keep up with what you're doing, or um, or you're going to get injured. Um, mm. you know, if, you're, if you're constantly wearing the muscle and you're not letting it recover, it gets weaker and weaker and eventually it breaks. You, know, you get muscle tears and things like that. So make oh, sure okay. you're getting in the recovery. If you're going to put a load and you've got to understand how much recovery you need to actually compensate for that, to get stronger before you can actually go again. 
Yes, we can actually layer that. In other words, we can do a number of sessions to weaken, but sooner or later, we're going to have to stop, let our body recover, and then go again. So recovery, absolutely important. Recovery includes primarily rest, sleep, um, but it can also include things like light massage to increase circulation, proper nutrition, making sure you get a high level of minerals, so lots of greens, uh, minerals, vitamins that are going to come from real food vegetables, mm -hmm. uh, um, electrolytes, making sure you're getting salts um, and electrolytes back into your body because those are crucial for our you know, electric conductivity between our muscles, um, and protein, which helps us build up our, um, our, uh, our, our cells and muscles and things like that as well. Okay. So recovery, absolutely crucial. It's actually almost more important than the training itself. Wow. Otherwise, you're, you're going to go backwards. And it's going to take you a very long time to develop. Mm. So I always say, new athletes, your number one priority is sleep. Okay. I like that idea. The reason why I say that is, is because sleep is where we get most of our recovery. Um, and, you know, my second priority is family. And the reason why it's the second priority is we can't deal with our family properly if we're always fatigued, tired, mm. um, and um, yeah, we get short, we get ratty, we don't have time for them. Um, so, so family and, and health become almost a second to sleep because we've got to be getting enough sleep. Yes, one hundred percent feel you. I've yeah. got a one-year-old and a three-year-old, and so yeah. you know my wife suffers more than me. But uh, you know, not getting that full night's sleep and it, it knocks you about. Does yeah. Mm. Uh, third priority is obviously work career it needs to be a priority. We need the income coming. We need to be secure. Um, um, and then the fourth priority is our hobbies and sports. Mm. So I always approach it. And I tell, tell people very clearly, I'm number four. And I assume it's number four for you, unless you're a professional athlete, which becomes number three. Um, but that's the priority we need to deal with things. What actually happens, especially when you get to the longer the Ultraman version of the sport, even the Ironman, is when people are looking for time to train, they don't want to negotiate with the family. They want to be seen to be giving family quality time. They don't want to negotiate with work. They've got to do their eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. So the first thing they start compromising is the sleep. So they start getting up, and I hate this, four o'clock in the morning every day to go get into training. They come home, they're spending time with their family, they're probably going to bed at 10 o'clock at night, they're not getting enough sleep and they're going backwards. Mm. Well, that's intriguing. Uh, uh, so, number one, 7.5 hours. Once you start you know, training 20 hours a week, that goes up. You know, you've got to go up to eight, eight and a half hours. The elites, you know, the pros, when they're training like 30, 35 hours a week, they guarantee getting 10 hours sleep. Wow. Some of that is might be over lunch and things like that, having a nap, et cetera, but mm. that's what they're doing. So we try and emulate the training hours of, of the pros as, as when we've got a day job, it doesn't work. You can't go mm. there. Mm. Really can't go there. So that's, that's number two is recovery. Number three is nutrition. Realize this, this, this is an energy game. It's an energy uh, equation when, we, uh, when we're racing. Um, you need to get into a state where you're metabolically flexible. Uh, burning fat is as important as uh, burning carbohydrates. A lot of athletes that carbohydrates all the time, every training session, every meal, uh, uh, you know, almost uh, 16 
hours a day, they're just consuming carbohydrates all the time. The, the body forgets the need to burn fat and mm. they don't get into chronic inflammation, uh, chronic dependency on carbohydrates, even to do an hour session they can't do. It's, you're not going to be able to do the longer versions of the sports like that. And even if wow. you do shorter, it's very, very unhealthy. Um, Having the loads and loads of yeah, processed sugar, particularly processed sugars, pro processed um, grains all the time, starts replacing all the nutrients we're getting from real food, you know, the green vegetables or colored, multicolored vegetables, um, you know, good quality meats, etc. We need to um, uh, we need to have a diverse diet of, of real food to get all the minerals, vitamins we need to support. And there's hundreds of thousands. If you think about it, the body's made up of what we put in our mouth. We've got mm. bone, we've got calcium, we've got earwax, we've got hair, we've got enamel on our teeth. There's hundred thousand of, of minerals that make up the body uh, that we're breaking down every day in our training. The only way we can get to replace that is through our food. So mm. if we're properly eating sugar, which is for no nutrients, it's just energy, and processed white flour grains, uh, they've got very, they might be able to list one or two things that add to it. Uh, vitamin K and, and things like that. End of the day, all the good stuff's been stripped out. The husk mm. of the grain, the wheat germ has been stripped out. It's just the energy portion left. Mm. So, so is there somewhere is, is there somewhere people could go? Like, should they be going and seeing a sports nutritionist, a nutritionist, a dietitian? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's um, if you don't have an understanding of it, yeah. But um, you've got to get a nutritionist that understands sport and endurance sport as well. Mm. Uh, that context so again. Some of them don't. I prefer nutritionists and sports nutritionists rather than dietitians. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll be honest. Now, I don't want to knock them. Dietitians, there is a register. They have to comply with the government uh, guidelines to the T. Otherwise, they lose their license. Mm. And I'll be honest. I'll be controversial. I'll say the American and the Australian guidelines are still aligned to predominantly low-nutrient foods sugars, grains as a basis and the foundation for the meal, which is wrong. Vegetables should be the foundation to the meal. Yeah, right. Right, plant-based. And they have to comply with that that message to the dietitians. Nutritionists don't. Mm. So they well, tend to get better, better real information that's more in line with somebody who's really wearing, you know, putting a lot into their body and using it and they need to rebuild, you'll probably find they better. That's that's my personal view. And I like my it. experience, to be honest. Three three solid tips. So slow down, mm. recovery, and fuel yeah. fuel right fuel right through nutrition. I love them. I love it. I'm betting people. The one, the, probably the one fourth one. If I can throw, it, doesn't enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, mm. change it up. Yeah. If you can't, yeah. A lot of people come to me and they say, and I get into and they're halfway through an iron they camp, but they just lose it because they're in it for the wrong reason. So it's the why, and uh, be in it to to, to love it. It's just. Triathlon is far too much effort required to do it just for the um, uh, the ego. Yeah, yeah. Too much time, too much effort, too much dedication to do it for the ego. The it really is a lot of fun. I, I'm loving yeah. it. I'm, I'm I absolutely love. It. I, and I think due to you and, and my own efforts, I suppose. But um, I think swimming's become my favourite thing. And like I was so scared of swimming. Like and now I'm out in the ocean. I, I'm connected with nature. I just 
I feel great. Um, just the benefits just are far reaching. So uh, I, I've certainly got um, the why and the love for it, which is which is helpful. Yeah. So I'll throw, I'll throw in a number five quickly. I oh, yes. Bonus tips. Bonus tips. Focus on technique, mm-hmm. balance and timing. Balance and timing, balance and timing, time and time again, way more important than propulsion and and strength. Well, well, this is this probably leads into the next question that I wanted to ask is that, um, you know, to get like you can watch videos, you can like you sort of say you can see these there's information out there, it's right and it's wrong, but like how is coaching affordable? I mean, if like if I'm not a elite athlete and I'm and I'm just you know even Joe Bloggs getting off the couch, um, you know, how, how much does coaching cost? Um, it really depends where you go. I mean, it's so broad and in terms of cost and the time and what you what you want out of it. How much time you're going to get out of the coach uh, is really probably the defining factor on, on the price um, um, and what you want out of it. Um, uh, to be honest, you know, one-on-one sessions with the coach is always going to cost money. Mm-hmm. Uh, many to one when you're in the pool and you have a good coach on pool deck just giving those little pearls of, of, of adjustments is going to be a lot less. To actually assign a, get a coach who's going to talk to you and develop you is obviously going to, you know, it's normally done by a monthly retainer. And that could be anywhere from from $60 a month to um, literally $500 uh, a month, uh, depending on, on what you want and the coach and their experience as well. So that mm. obviously is the value point. And again, it's really associated with what you want out of it, how much one-on-one time you're going to have with that, that coach and and what you're actually looking for. An interesting uh, thing. Is it, is like, it affordable? And to me, it's, to be honest, somebody like you coming into the sports is, is probably essential. It'll mm. save, it'll actually save you money. In mm. terms all the learnings you're going to go through, the injuries, the massage. I mean, I've got a view that if you go into a physiotherapist or somebody with a massage on a frequent basis to keep you moving and to solve problems, you're doing it wrong. Mm. You should mm. have your technique and your level and your intensity of exercise down pat that it's not actually a requirement. It should be a recovery mechanism of increasing circulation, a little bit of proactive stretching by the, by, by the physio or, or massage. But if you're actually going in there because you actually need it to be able to keep running, my recommendation is stop, reassess what you're doing. So it's actually a small cost to, to be enjoying it more, to be more mm. sustainable, to have your body feeling better, um, and to potentially drop down the cost of, of curing things, whether it be those sore muscles or, you know, other pain that you might be experiencing, um, or like you say, actually being out of the sport altogether. So if you get the intensity right, you get the technique right. So, you know, yeah, a lot of us aren't never going to get to a perfect gait, perfect balance, but that's the first thing to improve. Rather than going to maintenance of physio, fix me every week, mm. get a coach who can actually look at you, do some video analysis, show you what you're doing and fix that so you actually don't get those stresses. Yeah, well, that's interesting because a mate of mine has a coach and um, he's trained all the way up to Ironman. Now he's completed his first Ironman. And he said the one of the biggest changes that happened in his, um, you know, training or, you know, I guess, athlete life um, was that someone um, watched him on the bike and he just trained in front of them and they moved his seat up like half an inch 
And yeah. now, and then all of a sudden, that stopped him from having hip pain. The way he was moving his leg was different. All his legs now don't hurt, and he can go on the run and run much faster. Uh, and and <laughs> to think that it all came from an inch of seat, or not even an inch. It was like some small <laughs> measurement difference um, that just meant that he fit his bike better. Um, so that was that was massive. Yeah, and it's like yourself. I mean, all we did in that first session when I saw you was move your your hand forward. And, mm. and to get you to release your neck, I, you change from a 25 meter swimmer to a 100 meter swimmer just like that. And mm. it, it's it's this little things that um, yeah, an experienced coach can, can give you. So initially, like on the path you're on, absolutely essential. It will save you money. It's not a cost. Mm. It's actually uh, an investment that's going to give you a return. It's going to save you money later down the line. And people would pay more for that, like you were saying, like um, podiatrists or physiotherapists or massages or personal trainers. Like, you know, I know some of the people spending, you know, quite a bit on personal training. You know, if if this is your sport and being active and being healthy um, and doing endurance activities, getting a coach, why not? You know, because like proper running technique, proper swimming technique, riding technique. All of these things are just going to carry you through, even if you're just going for a family bike ride or or a run at home. It's just going to mean that you're still more sustainable anyway. So it does sound affordable to me. And probably a little in terms of affordability, I'd be looking for a coach that definitely has a two-way, you can have a two-way conversation. And in terms of my coaching, I don't like coaching people where I have to keep chasing them to have a conversation. Mm. Uh, people who just expect a program if I do this program I'm going to get where no it doesn't work like that the coach needs the feedback mm. and sometimes I get people that I'm coaching that I keep on reaching out to them and say hey we need to talk uh, no I'm too I'm either too busy for training or I'm too busy too busy at work and I find it really really hard to coach because you can't get everything from the data in actual fact you can only get 10-20% out of the data mm. yeah. Okay. I need to know how they're feeling. I need to know what they, what what they're actually doing. I need to have the conversation of how to actually improve and get over things. So it's more uh, like a partnership. And so yeah, and it's really important when you you know, uh, you can get a you know fifty dollar coach, but if it's purely giving you a program, now just go. You can go there and download down download that off beginner triathlete. And I have, I've done that. I've downloaded a few plans. Uh, we paid for one. I got a couple for free. But there's just so many questions that then come out of that that I actually can't have answered. And then the time I take trying to go and and find those answers, it a even if I can find the right answer, um, you know, or b if I find the answer at all, um, it, I, I find that what's my time worth? I, you know, the the value of being in this club and and what I've already gotten in in the sessions that I've been able to have, which I'm so grateful for, uh, far outweighs the cost of actually having to go and you know, like you said, walk that journey and make the mistakes and learn. And I, I love athletes that challenge me. They come back to me and say, "Why am I doing this? Mm. This doesn't make sense to me." Or or this this is. And that means, you know, there might be something wrong with my communication. I haven't been clear enough or they just don't get it yet. And I want them to challenge me. I want it to be a two-way working together uh, scenario because when I set a program, I don't know their lifestyle, what, what they, you know, if their kid's not sleeping. Um, mm. I don't know. I can't see if somebody's in Hong Kong. I can't see if their foot, foot strike is way too far in front. That's, that's why I want them to send me their video analysis so I can actually review it. I want them to say, I'm feeling 
like this at, when I get to 15 kilometers into my run. So I can actually, yeah, try and start asking the right questions to actually get them past that point. If they, if they just say, yeah, just give me the feeling, I see the data that stopped at 15 kilometers, that means nothing to me. Mm. Their wife phone them and said they have to come home. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so it has to be a two-way conversation and that should be expected. And rather spend the money for that type of coaching than uh, you know, a program that's just going to arrive in your email box and, and off you go. Sounds, sounds like a much more tailored approach. Yeah. Mm. It's individual, yes. Okay, I like it. And so, okay, f from from your, you know, history, I suppose, like do you have like a favorite or a most memorable, memorable endurance event, whether that's as an athlete or a coach, and, and why? Um, well, it's, it's hard. Well, I've done so many. I've done, I think, 11, 11 Ironman. Wow. Uh, I've done, I don't know, untold 70.3s. Probably the fir my first Ironman is probably the most memorable one because uh, it's really where, you know, until then, Ironman was probably what we had spoke to, I mentioned earlier, kind of a little bit of an ego. I want to achieve something outside the, outside the box, something that was recognisable. Quickly realised nobody cared mm. to that race. <laughs> um, I'm, thinking, you know, I'm going to be a hero when I think, oh man, nobody cared. They're pretty much over you talking about it by the time yep. you get your first one. But what, <laughs> what it did surprise me that journey is when I actually completed how um, um, the comprehension of those distances was just ridiculous. Mm. Doing 180k and then getting off and running a marathon was just, how could you do that? No, it's superhuman. Got to go anyway. And how. How it just happened was the thing that sunk in with me. That, yeah, your, the barriers that you have in your mind are just perceptions and probably misguided uh, through through past experience or what people talk about. And I just found it just broke all some a whole lot of limitations in mind of what I thought I could do is just remove those barriers. So that first one really opened my eyes. That and changed my perspective on the sport. That first Ironman. Nice, nice. I've done seventy point threes before, but they didn't. Yeah, I just got through them. I just smashed myself, get to the other end. Yeah, done. But the Ironman was different and that got to the end of it. And, and yeah, I went through a bit of the Ironman blues because I was expecting this fanfare of saying, yeah, you're the hero. You've done Ironman. Mm. Ironman mm. Never got that. And that's when people kind of get in the Ironman blues and get depression because they're expecting this this, 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 this glory or this, the training suddenly ends and they've just got this, this empty hole at the end of it. Uh, Interesting. That's over. Mm. What, 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 what's next? I've achieved this, this great thing. Didn't really get the feedback that I was expecting. Mm. And I've got nothing. Really dangerous space to be. And that happened to me. And then I suddenly realized what I had done. And then it became a lifelong thing. That, no, no, this is about, about constant improvement on that. And um, you know, doing different styles of races, and, you know, trail marathons and things like that, then became the flavor. Interesting. Uh, I'm challenging myself for myself and not for the, for the glory anymore. Back to a stronger reason why. Mm. So that first one was pivotal to me. It changed my perspective on endurance sport, that it wasn't about, hey, I achieved this. It was suddenly became, hey, those limitations I set myself for are, are holding me back. I can now think differently about that. And also to be a little bit more detailed around what really happens you know, to the body, to the mind and everything when you do these things. I like it. And, and what are you training towards at the moment? Um, I'm going to do um, Ironman New Zealand. Um, When's that one? 
That's March 2nd coming, so it's, uh, seven weeks away. Nice. Uh, and I'll be, to me, yeah, a lot of people are into races and they have to do, they want to do the best performance every time. Yeah, the last few, three, four Ironman I've done has not been about that. It's about just going out and enjoying the day, uh, getting some learnings out of it, having some fun out there, uh, and that's what I'll do. Um, yeah, it's, um, uh, I'll push myself, but not expecting personal bests or anything. Nice. Uh, the big one I'm shaping up for my race for the year will be Comrades Marathon in South Africa. So that's what, What's that one? It's Comrades Marathon. It's okay. one of the, probably the probably one of the most famous, if not the most famous, ultra marathon. Oh, it wow. is a road marathon running from Durban to Peter Marisberg this year, uphill, um, eighty-seven kilometers. Whoa! Double a double marathon, wow. uh, and it's just an iconic race. I used to live on the course in my young young years. Used to watch it every year, either on TV or out on the course. Um, never did it back in those days because it's running up to half marathons. Um, now I just want to go back there and. Um, and 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 run that race. Awesome. How long do you think it'll take you? Uh, somewhere between nine and ten hours, I would imagine. Wow. Mm. Wow. That's yeah. cool. That's, that's, cool. That's, that's, that's kind of the window I'm, I'm working my training within. Uh, but we'll see what happens on the day because it is it's a tough race. It's road, um, and there's lots of hills. There's far big, big, long hill climbs, and it goes from Durban, which is on the coast. To Pierre Marisburg, which is way inland and yeah, in the Midlands, kind of hinterlands. So it's a lot of uphills. Mm. Well, well, good luck with that. They actually switch it, switch the direction every year. One year they'll run uphill, next year they'll run downhill. Funny thing is, there's no more DNFs on the downhill run oh. than the uphill because of the stress that actually pushes through puts through, through the legs on the downhills. Interesting. Uh, when you get to the double marathon, because all the hills are actually at the end. The downhill, it's the second half, and by that time your quads and your um, um, and your leg, the impact of the hill starts adding up. Um, so they always say do the up run first. So that's what I'll do. Cool, cool. And so, how can people be coached by you? What what do they have to do? Um, coached by me. Uh, there's a website footsets.com. Have a look around there. There's a lot of information on training, my approach. Uh, lots of just useful information around um, um, uh, training as well, different focuses, nutrition. Um, but through there, yeah, you can send an inquiry or just email me, find me. It's all on the website. Um, my approach is very individualized. And that what I normally do is, is we'll catch up either face-to-face if you're local, uh, staff or phone um, if, you're, if you're abroad. We have a conversation as to what your targets are, what your histories are, and if there's a match between what I do and what I feel I deliver and and what you're trying to achieve, and we get on, then we move it forward. Mm-hmm. And quite often that conversation can be stopped either side. And I don't try pressure. There's no pressure sales. There's got to be a match. There's got to be a working relationship um, and, and aligned. Because if I say to somebody, listen, I'm probably going to slow you down based on what you're doing. And they say, no, nah, I really want to go harder. Well, no deal. Uh, mm. I'm just make money out of, out, of, out of a person because it's a business. and needs to be a working relationship because that way I get a good, better reputation. And I get along customers I can actually work with and hold on to them for, you know, um, to, uh, for a year as a, as a good working relationship rather than um, a short-term 
um, and then move on all the time. Um, so, and I wanted the people to come, you know, I've got customers who, who for instance, use me to prepare you know, the last three months into a marathon. And then the end of the marathon, they see ya, and next year I get the emails and okay, let's go again. Um, mm. that's, that's the type of relationships I want to build. I like it. All the links are on there. You can, put, you can submit an inquiry. Uh, coach an inquiry on there or just send me an email or just phone me and that was fitsets f-i-t-s-e-t-s dot com dot au yeah i like it no 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 au no it's just dot com fitsets dot com or you can look at fitsets.com on facebook as well Okay, awesome, awesome. So look, I, you know, just to, to recap, like I, you've so much gold in this in this chat. I really appreciate you taking the time. I have personally just loved the fact that you've been able to, you know, deliver the right information at the right time positively. Um, you know, I'm exhausted in the pool, and, and you're just saying, hey, just try this, and you know, draw the line, and all these, um, you know, different um, tips, but just exactly when I need them. Um, and you know, I really just appreciate that so much. Yeah, yeah, no worries at all. That's what I yeah, try this one chunk at a time, is, uh, one piece at a time is, is really important, having focus areas. Uh, yeah, telling people 10 things and then you sort of swim doesn't work. Mm. Say, run one thing at a time. And what a good coach does is prioritizes them. So they, they know their dependencies in the chain, which to fix first and what comes next. Might be 10 faults, they fix one first. And uh, fix as far as things down the line. I like it. But like it. what I've really enjoyed coaching you, Tom, is that you really do listen. Yeah. You know, oh, thanks. I can see you processing when I'm telling you something. I say, okay, what's he telling me? What does that mean? And then I can see the execution straight away. And that's what I love about coaching people. People who, who listen, ask the question back, or well, how should that feel like? Or am I, you know, two laps later, am I getting it right? Mm. I love. A lot of people think they're irritating me or they're asking too much of me when they're constantly asking questions. I absolutely love that. And sometimes I'll turn around and say, just do it. But that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's rare. But sometimes you have to do that. No, well. you have. You've yeah. answered so many yeah. questions I've had. It's been good. It's been good. It's been awesome having you on the show today. Anyone listening in, um, be sure to, to you know, drop, drop Paul on. Um, you know, I'd definitely recommend him as a coach. Um, and Paul, again, thanks so much for coming on the show today. No worries. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Tom. Bye. Yeah.